Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Variety, celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. You know, I wasn't good at sports. I wasn't cool. I wasn't popular. But I, you know, I had my studies. I would study a lot. And where I went to school in Karachi, you'd get like ranked. So you would get a rank. We had like 45 kids in our class. So you get a first, second, third, like everybody in class would get ranked based on their grades. And I always came in second. Welcome to Chippendale star Kumail Nanjiani. Emmy-nominated for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited or Anthology Series is hoping this time he'll come in first. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Kumail Nanjiani about his Emmy nod, telling the story of Chippendale's founder, Soman Steve Banerjee, and so much more. But first, on the Award Circuit Roundtable, we talk about Artisans events, Taylor Swift, and the Emmys comedy race. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everyone. We're coming to you on day 100 of the WGA strike. It is TV editor Michael Schneider. How am I introducing myself like that? That's weird. We're at Variety, everyone. It's along with Clayton Davis, Jazz Take, and Emily Longaretta, who like this is this is how busy everyone is, especially Emily. She's literally writing a breaking news story as we speak, which is why you don't hear her voice. But uh, she's there. She is she's there. always with. She's always with us. We we she's see, there. She has her. She's uh, writing another EE issue right now. Yeah. <laughs> you should see. Uh, we're not a video <laughs> podcaster. You would see Emily has her deadline face on right now. It's it's she has the look of determination of i am going to get this story out i'm going to be first and i'm going to break the news that shit's going down at big brother because shit's going down at big brother but she's focusing and we're just sitting there in her ear just like making these comments talking about her i know that's why she's muted us now i'm sure (laughs) sure distracted as well yeah she's like shut up everyone yeah but like I mentioned, it is day 100 of uh, the WGA strike, and unfortunately, it does not appear that there is any resolution in sight. Uh, fingers crossed that maybe chats will begin again eventually, but for now, uh, it's looking like we're going to be on uh, this for a while. Uh, and and that obviously means that the Emmys, well, we already knew weren't going to happen in September, but uh, we should find out this week that they're happening in January which we also knew was probably the case, but it is going to be official now. And 
originally, you know, I even wrote a column about how November made more sense. But honestly, I mean, if this these things aren't resolved in the next couple of weeks and they continue yeah. on, then you really can't do an Emmys mm-hmm. in November. You really do have to wait until January to yeah. get everything set up. So voting will end at the end of August and then it's just going to be crickets for many we months. Just sit. We sit and enjoy the ride of directors and producers walking around <laughs> saying <laughs> stuff. Yeah. And artisans. And our, well, listen, a great time for the artisans to get uh, some recognition throughout this time. Obviously, uh, it's a hard time for artisans who aren't working because they can't work, and everyone's focused on you know the writers and actors. But it's affecting everybody in every sense of the, uh, of the word. But um, it is yeah, November. That's what we all wanted, and then as we still at time of recording, they still haven't sat down to talk again yet they had a talk about a talk about maybe having a talk and then (laughs) now they're uh still not talking so as we you know we're getting to mid-august you know and then you still need to plan a show i think we forgot i did not i forgot that part of like oh november 15th like just plan the image for november 15th we'll be done by november 15th but you have to like nope put on a show and you have to like write it and do stuff like that it's like you oh, gotta, you you gotta hire anything. a host they, they you know yeah. they, and and you need the strikes to end to even hire a host so or hosts plural uh yeah. they have a producer uh in jesse collins but you know jesse's kind of twiddling his thumbs as well because it's well i don't have writers i don't have a host uh, we don't know who would show up uh you know and so we have nominations but that's about it so but you bring up a good point about the artisans because it is their moment and as we saw this tuesday uh variety held an excellent uh collaborators uh breakfast that jazz the creative collaborators if you will creative, creative. collaborators yes yeah. they're not just collaborators they are creative, they're creative. collaborate collaborators and jazz killed it as the moderator of two panels including one panel that had 13 people on the panel that Jazz somehow managed to pull it off. Uh, you know, one I learned from you, Mike. Learned from you. <laughs> like anything more than five gives me agita. Like it's like, like it, 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 that, that is a skill that is hard to wrangle because you need to make ensure all 13 people speak at least once. And some people take their shot and they're like, this is my chance to speak. So I'll never stop. But, Watch uh, Mike was... moderate a panel. That's how you'll learn how to yeah. navigate yeah. 13 people. That's literally what I told you on Tuesday. Well, thank you, Jazz. But yeah, I learned I learned a lot. I mean, I it's it's you know, we've we've seen all these shows, we've read a lot, we've heard a lot, but we still learn new things about the production of, of some of these shows. Uh I was fascinated by some of the things that I learned about uh, the still Michael J ja- Michael Jackson, <laughs> Michael J. Fox. Very different, <laughs> very different. <laughs> A Michael J. Fox uh, documentary. Uh, and Wait, what happened with Michael Jackson? What did he do? <laughs> Emily, Mike actually broke Emily. She yeah. She's like, big brother, big brother, big brother, big brother, nothing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but Jazz, uh, you know, what, did, uh, what did you learn from your panel the other day? Put you on the spot. Oh, my gosh. There was so much. It's like the focus group that went into jury duty is such a fascinating story. So fascinating. Oh, if you don't so know happy. that story, it is such a brilliant one of how the casting director, uh, Susie Ferris, they had a focus group with half of it was a real focus group and the other half were actors. The actors knew what they were going into, but the real focus group didn't. And it was just, that was a really fascinating thing to, yeah. to learn. 
And what um, I liked about that was the actors also didn't necessarily know who were actors and who were civilians, so that they also had to sort of play it straight as as if they were, you know, so they were already sort of auditioning too, and you know, how can they pull off uh, you know, playing the role but not looking like they're playing the role? It's genius in how they pulled yeah. off in casting both the actors on jury duty, but then also finding Ronald, this diamond in the rough. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely the high. That's the thing that I'm still thinking about today. And even the the Ted Lasso, the football, the the football scenes. Like for those who don't know, like it is the actors that are actually playing like football, and they shoot some of it like on a green sc- against a green screen and out in a pitch. VFX and everything were coming together, but that's that was definitely a fun thing. Um, if they wanted a really good video. soccer player, they should have just asked me. I would have stepped in and been a good stunt double. <laughs> I played soccer in high school. I that was my one piece oh, of athleticism. Did. I did. There you uh, go. Ted Lasso football. Four. I played Three. football. What? What? Shout, shout out to Women's Team USA, man. <laughs> Eliminated. Broke my heart. That was very sad. Yeah. yeah. Broke my heart. So yeah. yes, the video should be up online by the time this podcast goes out. So check in and learn a lot from the artisans. Yeah. But yeah, so jazz has been the busiest out of everyone yeah. because jazz is actually working. <laughs> it, those are the only panels left. So jazz did one uh, for, for with Amazon the other day. She's doing one with Apple coming up. So at least jazz is busy. <laughs> <laughs> My door is always open. If you want to come in to don't offer that. It's like people <laughs> be like, you said to contact you anytime. Cut it out. Cut this out. Edit yeah. it out. Exactly. But yeah, so our uh, Emmy editions are now out as well uh, as love as as beautifully produced by Emily. Uh, and I mean, again, the heavy lifting of pulling off these issues, given that talent uh, was mostly unavailable, finding ways to find the talent that still was available to pull off these issues, repurposing some content, finding other content. Uh, it's it was like Jenga, basically, in in what she had to do to make these issues happen, but they look beautiful. You would never know that these strikes are going on. Hollywood was shut down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And shout out to our art team as well for pulling off these these fantastic covers uh, in in that we couldn't shoot anyone, but uh, in sort of taking the the clip art that we do have and turning them into something really fun uh, as the first issue that's already out for actors uh, people have seen already. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, an interesting time in hollywood but uh we're all you know trying to make it still work so but um, we digress all right we're, we're done uh giving all the praise to emily and jazz let's turn this around on me and mike wait uh, before we do i'm back so thanks for all the love <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm glad emily is back because the other thing we need to talk about before we move on to emmys and etc is taylor swift oh so my that's all my my feed has been on social the past week. Is Why? Everyone... What happened? What is she doing? <laughs> <laughs> Just taking over LA. I mean, yeah, the entertainment world may be shut down, but SoFi Stadium is not. <laughs> Let's just say that because she is crushing it every night. I got to go on Monday night and I know our, our uh, amazing music team has gone many nights and has been incredible. And I am still recovering after two nights. I mean, I still have a little bit of concert voice. It's a little wild, so... Yeah, I mean, I you screamed for three hours, right? I don't know how this woman is operating the way she is because I felt like I needed a day off after the amount that I was screaming and dancing. Well, I don't it know. Took you a day to get out of there. 
Yeah, 45 songs. She does three and a half hours. It's how long wow. did it take you to leave the venue? I honestly, I must have gotten really lucky because it wasn't that bad for me. I know everybody's been complaining about it. What, but is, like, what does that mean? Anything by the I... time I got to my car, it took a little bit to get to my car because it takes long to get out of any stadium with a million people in it. But um, once I got to my car, it was home in 30 minutes. And by car, she means helicopter. Emily had yeah. a helicopter. <laughs> and just Emily just does one of the, she's a humble brag. She flies <laughs> yeah, exactly. in. Exactly. Right into the middle center of the, of the stadium. <laughs> I was her special guest. I just yeah. dropped down right into the field. Uh, but you were you were there on a night where she she performed some some songs that she hadn't performed before acoustically. Yeah, so. she my I got the two of the best surprise songs. Um, I got Exile, which she usually does with Bon Iver, and I she did it alone, and it was incredible. And then Dress, which she's never done acoustic, and it was oh my gosh, my mind was blown. I, I'm pretty sure I blacked out. It was so good. I've never had more FOMO than I've had this week <laughs> in terms of concerts uh, going into yeah. this. I was like, I'm fine with not seeing Taylor Swift, uh, you know, because a, I don't want the hassle of, of having to drive into SoFi and, and mm-hmm. all that. And, and honestly, we talk all the time about those three hour films that are just a slog. And, and to be quite honest, sitting through a three and a half hour concert, I don't know if I could do that, but after seeing just everyone's reaction to the show this week, now I'm kind of bummed. That I didn't see it. I, I will say I felt the same way. I've seen her twice before, different tours. So I was like, I don't need to go to this. It's fine. And then I was like, oh, I really want to go. I really want to go. <laughs> and then it just kept going. And I was like, I got to do it. I just got to do it. So, Mike, we'll have to go and see her in Europe and make everybody jealous. You should so. do that. I would be extremely jealous. And it'll be cheaper too. Yeah, Wait. that's why I've heard. It's so much cheaper to watch anyone. Someone told me they went and saw Beyonce in Paris and it was like, yeah, minimal money. Yeah, and they like go to four hundred dollars the whole thing. Well, yeah, because like you got to pay for a flight to Paris. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's so that's fine. Like you, you still spend ultimately a thousand dollars, but you actually went to Paris in addition to seeing the show. You spent a thousand dollars here in LA. You just went to Inglewood. <laughs> <laughs> Not great. Not great. It's a very expensive trip to Inglewood. A very expensive trip with a lot of traffic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a lot of it was spent in your car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, well, congratulations on Taylor on Tay Tay. Um, so, yeah, looking at the race this week. I mean, Clayton, let's talk comedy this week because let's talk comedy. One of the things, one of your predictions that I love, and we talked a little bit about jury duty, is you're Jane, you're thinking this I'm may be James Marsden. So yes, so the the I'm on the jury duty train, but I went and did a little quick research, and I was trying to think of an example because jury duty did well, like nominations wise. So it's not it's not like it just got comedy series and James Marsden. It also got writing and it got casting. It got some key spots. So I was trying to think of like the last like big comedy series upset that really like was like a passionate kind of vote. I didn't have to travel back that far. The year that Fleabag won, no one was really expecting Fleabag to win because people thought it was either going to go, it was going to be Maisel again because they had just won the year before. Right. Or they thought it was going to be Veep because it was its last season. Or they thought they were going to do Barry because they had lost the year before and it was on its second season. Or Schitt's Creek even maybe because that's season five and that was like a great season. They were like, oh, we finally got Schitt's Creek here. Maybe they'll do it. And then... You know, there was even like Russian doll talk at that time. No one really thought they were going to do the flea bag thing, and then they did, and then it did as well as it did. So I was thinking to myself, we are all in this like, is it Abbott? Is it Ted? Is it the bear? 
what if it's just jury duty? What if like this strike really just has people going, you know, YOLO man, YOLO man, I'm just going <laughs> to check off jury duty. Yeah. And who would be mad? I wouldn't be mad. It would be like one of the greatest things that's ever happened. And then we would all like just watch it or whatever and, and right. go along. And it would be a nice natural phenomenon because nobody ever was thinking about predicting jury duty for anything. That- that would be crazy, uh, especially because, by the way, it just won a TCA award, but for reality. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I'm, so I'm sure the Amazon folks were like, well, that's great, but we can't really tout this win because then it confuses Emmy voters because we're not up for reality. We're up for comedy. So, yeah. you know, what's funny. I actually and we always talk about scripted variety and its problems. Doesn't this feel like a genuine scripted variety show that could have like went in and won? Like yeah. I would have put it in that boat. Yeah, I would yeah. be like, yeah, good. And it probably yeah. could win that category. So it went comedy series. It got in great, great for it, but kind of feel like it probably should have went the scripted variety route. Yeah. It's, it's a reminder that, you know, you just can't have categories the way you used to uh, at the Emmys these days. Yeah. So who knows? But yeah, Judy is, is having a good phenomenon. It's, it's also, people are still discovering it. I still see it getting some talk uh on social media chatter like it feels like it's like uh weird comparison it feels like the coda of the group just like a feel-good like wholesome right program i think it's because ronald is so likable and you're like oh maybe humanity isn't terrible maybe we can be good because i know if i was on jury duty and i was ronald i would be canceled today because they would have got me on my worst i would have been I have a really bad, I can't, I had like, I can't hide things on my face. I would have gotten up and walked away. The As soon as I saw the poop in the toilet, I would have like told everyone about it. And like James Marsden's gross. <laughs> like it would have been over. Right. They would have <laughs> shut down production on day two. Yeah, like said, it's over. Clayton you know can't what? do this. Didn't work out. All right. Back to the, who's next on the casting roster. Yeah. So risky, by the way, my God, to go through all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's my thoughts there, but I mean, but again, it's still an Abbott world versus Ted Lasso. 21 nominations for Ted Lasso is nothing to, to ignore. So, you know, I think and the the bear too, the bear really does. Uh, we talked about this last week. Emily and I were talking about it. The bear, I would buy into it if I really felt confident it was going to win like director writing and Jeremy Allen White. And Jeremy Allen White's still a question mark because he has yet to go against Jason Sudeikis at a ceremony. This will be their first bout. Well, and then we've got only murders returning for season three this week, right when people are voting. But yeah, I, I, I it's it's hard for me to. Th- I think honestly, if I'm really being honest, I think only murders is like the eight, the number eight in that category. I just, I just, I just don't, I just don't, I just don't, I just, I think. Listen, I think. Hulu is probably like, listen, next year, wait for us next year when we have Merrill on the on the circuit. But I do think um, the removal of Steve Martin and lead actor does open some stuff up for Martin Short. Like maybe the, we get some surprises in acting all the time. I'm saying Merritt Weaver won an Emmy for Nurse Jackie without <laughs> no one batted an eye. <laughs> like she just won and beat everybody. No also, one expected Merritt Weaver. And she's also Merritt Weaver. But also, he's Martin Short, and he hasn't won an acting Emmy. This is which, true. Yeah. Which, yeah. Jesus. Hmm. Jesus. Um, Jesus is up. 
Jesus is up. But listen, <laughs> I don't, but speaking of Jesus, because she's like a Jesus, we have our, what I, I was speaking to uh, Miss Padma this week, yeah. and I called her the Indian Susan Lucci. She's, <laughs> oh my God. Because she's 0 for 16. And I wonder, like, can she actually win an Emmy somewhere? She, oh, she loved. She, I was going to say, how did she take that? Oh, she loved. Oh, listen, we had a great hold. No holds bar. I can't wait for any, everyone to listen to that yeah. conversation. She is precious cargo and she wants an Emmy bad. And she is you not hiding one. It. She should get one. Yeah. She's yeah. not hiding it. She's like, give me a gold man. I want a gold man. <laughs> she's like, I'm not, she's yeah. like, I'm not, I'm not married. So give me another man instead. Like she's all about get it. it. The only man. And, you need. and by the way, she's 52. Stop. Yeah. I was like, I look 52 now. I hate you, but I love you also at the same time. <laughs> and you do not look 52. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. Well, thank them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, 57 it, it, maybe. But... Yeah. 57, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think there's, there are going to be some surprise. I think this no campaigning stuff similar to 2020 when we had the pandemic, which, by the way, I think if you remove the pandemic, I don't know if Shit's Creek does what it does, right? Oh, like, right. no no show I'd ever done that before, but people just didn't, like, everyone discovered on Netflix, and we were all home, and everyone was just like, all right, we're going to vote for Shit's Creek. So now with this thing happening, we don't know how it affects, but maybe they just kind of throw it up and they say, listen, I'll, you know, let's just give it to a genuine comedy like Abbott, and you'll be the first broadcast winner since Modern Family. Um, or maybe they get lazy. I always say, quote unquote, lazy. And they're like, you know what? We've never given it to Barry before. Let's just hear Barry on your way out. You know, that, that could happen too. But very few shows went on their last season. No, they're going to give it to a last season show. We got to, I know it's not the same category, but you got to give it to Better Call Saul and Drama. Like, if you're going to do a bet last season show, you got to do the one that's never won. <laughs> yeah. Or at least, at least Ray Seahorn, who, by yeah. the way, won the TCA award. So at least, she did. at least the critics get it. The, the writers get it. Yeah. I mean, so. listen, I, I'm like, I'm 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 trying to come to terms with, I don't think I'm going to see Ray Seahorn on a stage. I'm, I think that. I, I mean, we don't know. Surprises happen all the time. But I'm telling you, Bob Odenkirk. I, we've been here before. I know we've we predicted know, it before. But, but, but we need to talk about it again because we need to make this happen. You're right. But, but there's also just three succession guys. There are three. And they're going to split votes. So who benefits from that? Also, if Bob wins, yeah. he should probably just bring up the whole cast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he probably would. None of them have had the chance, and like they all deserve it. Yeah, so. I bet he would. I bet he would. And, I and bet he would too. And you know what? In in a very in like in a very respectful way, I think honestly, um, the passing of Mark, uh, Margot Margolos, Mar Margolos, Margolos, yeah, Margolos, actually does something for that campaign because i think people were like oh yeah hector salamanca oh. i love better call saul and you want to and it might inspire people to like vote for that show somewhere because it's still oh for 53 right now or i think that's, that's what we're up to crazy. yeah no like, it's, it's, i'm about to bring that little bell to the to the emmys and start ringing it <laughs> Clay, yeah. Clayton, would you say 
Uh, Better Call Saul is the Susan Lucci of the drama. It series. is. It is the Susan Lucci of, of drama <laughs> shows for sure. Right now across the board, he's just not going to live that down. Listen, the, the Susan Lucci comparison works for anything. He's just like you're the Susan Lucci of this. Yeah. Like, by the way, she know, eventually Peter O'Toole was the Susan Lucci of the Oscars, and, and it's, <laughs> it's it's not a slur because eventually she did win one. So there is that hope that eventually yeah. Padma will win. That eventually Saul will win. Uh, you know last chance for better call Saul. So don't break my heart. TV yeah. Academy. Don't listen, break my so heart. I, they had, listen, I always say for every <laughs> John Hamm and Mad Men where we get to see him roll onto the stage and it's great. We also then do see Steve Carell walk off the office with nothing in hand. Yeah. Unreal. Like, so yeah. it gives in a take. So we can't get all the things we want, but maybe we'll get at least like one of those things. No, this is this is yeah. True. I think also people will say like Pedro, we know we'll get you next time. Like we'll see you season two probably, and uh, you know with Succession Boys, listen purity. I think like Kieran Culkin feels like it for a lot of people, but you know that not always the case and jeff bridges is the only nomination for his show so that's also but but that also didn't stop jeff daniels at one time justice for jeff daniels yeah and they like you they like you well here we'll go through the rest of the the tca winners since that's the latest yeah. uh television awards sh- show quote show because it obviously didn't happen in person yeah. uh but so succession was program of the year uh and also outstanding achievement in drama so huh. when it uh, in program of the year, it went up against Abbott Elementary and or Better Call Saul, Poker Face, The Bear, The Last of Us, The Other Two and The White Lotus. That's a pretty good list, by the way. It's mm-hmm. I mean, a, a list. really good list. Stacked. Not a, not a dud in the bunch. Yeah. Uh, so Succession for Drama, The Bear for Comedy, um, Beating Out, Abbott, Barry, Poker Face, Reservation, Dog. See, again, the critics get it. Yes, they do. Huh. Shrinking the other two and what we do in the shadows again, solid list. Uh, B- wait, wait, no, no lasso there. Uh, Who said it? No, no lasso there. No, lasso. I think the critics were are over lasso. <laughs> well, 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 I was trying to think of the timeline. Do you remember when TCA noms came out? Uh, because was- lasso dropped in March, right? Yeah, it was, it was after that. Yeah, was that the- oh, so then, yeah, so then maybe not. Yeah, interesting. I mean, you, you know, critics—they're—they're uh, they're moving on to, to other things. So. Yeah, we know you, Allison Herman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Shout out, Allison Herman. To be fair, today. to be fair, a few of us are T- TCA members that <laughs> yeah. also vote that aren't critics. Yeah. <laughs> so. This is true. We all we all vote. Uh, miniseries, movies, specials, beef one, um, which uh, was up against Small Light, Blackbird, Daisy Jones and the Six, Fleischman is in Trouble, Mrs. Davis, The Patient, and Weird, the Al Yankovic story. I'm feeling better about Beef. I think Beef's going to do it. Yeah, I do feel mm-hmm. like everyone is kind of like, okay, let's not Yeah, we could do Beef, the... and I, I don't think anyone's really going to get that mad. It'd be fine. I think I think the Ryan Murphy stuff is going to actually factor in a bit, and people are like, no. And after that, like... You know, listen, Daisy Jones would be a great choice. I just don't have faith in humanity like that. Yeah. Um, and then, the, so the interesting one was reality, where Jury Duty won uh, up against Couples Therapy, RuPaul's Drag Race, The Rehearsal, The Traders, Top Chef, Vanderpump Rules, and Welcome to Wrexham. Shout out to Couples Therapy, man. That show, like, opened my life this year. 
like I had I, I never really watched it before. And mm-hmm. then I watched the second, which is, I don't know why they called it still second half of season three. Cause it was like 10 episodes. I'm like, just call it season four, man. But, right. <laughs> um, it was incredible. And I'm so sad that I didn't get anything, uh, at Emmys, but, it, um, the fact that jury beat Vanderpump rules in the middle of the scandal bowl, like that shows jury duty's power. That's true. Yeah. Well, it, it beat out the rehearsal, which actually is a, a critic's darling. So. <laughs> rehearsal, which is uh, jury duty 1.0. And I feel so <laughs> bad for those guys because they were like, um, I think we did this <laughs> also. <laughs> and they just couldn't uh, get into it. And at the time, I mean, we couldn't get enough of the rehearsal, but that that is the power of like being on a long time ago is everyone kind of forgot about it. Uh, variety talker sketch. I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. Yeah, I wanted to go into sketch series already. I hate this. Like, it's not a short. <laughs> I mean, it is, but it's not. Yeah, we'll just no, do it. It makes no sense. Uh, so it did beat out Amber Ruffin, a black lady sketch show. Uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. Last uh, late night with Seth Meyers. Late show with Stephen Colbert. Uh, Saturday Night Live and Z Way. Can I ask uh, the room? talk series who's winning talk series talk series exhausts me even thinking about it if i'm being honest no john oliver this year because he's in sketch so we have colbert who's never won for the i see the problem with john yes that that seems like a safe answer you're probably right but stephen colbert has never won before under this show Went yeah. to the Colbert report. I'm I'm that's why I'm kind of leaning towards Colbert only because it's 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 a little more prominent than Stewart. he's the most he's the purest of the of the group because he because like John Stewart obviously got kicked there. Um and they've never done Trevor Noah, even though it's his last season, but I don't think they're gonna do him on the way out. That's what she said. And then um <laughs> and uh Although it would be nice. It would be nice to well, it would be great. Yeah. No one get, it would be out. a really good uh, farewell because he's won for writing before, but never for the big one. And then the other is oh my god. Seth Myers. Seth Myers. Which, by the way, if this had been his third time getting nominated, then I would feel better about predicting it, but he just got in for the first time. Yeah. So maybe yeah. next year. <sighs> unless unless John Oliver's back and everyone's gonna be mad again. <laughs> or if they merge the categories which i feel like is inevitable next year you mean go back to what where we were before yes just right. do that just <laughs> because at that point you're gonna only have one sketch show it's just gonna be snl right. so what do you do with snl where do you put it comedy series maybe oh i mean I if mean, jury duty can be there right right we can fix so. this guys we have we we we, we charge minimal fees to fix your organizations. <laughs> uh, and then wrapping up uh, TCA. So uh, the U.S. and the Holocaust one for uh, achievement in news and information. And then in children's programming, they split into two. There's children's programming, which Bluey from Disney Plus one, which apparently is a phenomenon. My kids are too old. But I, I guess people who have kids of a certain age, Bluey is everything. Yeah, I will say like my friends talk about my friends have been talking about that their kids watch. I mean, Emily's I, lying. She watches it. And if anyone could see her face right now, you would know she was lying about this. I promise. She's I've said, never my friends. It. She's a, it's my favorite show on television. Because I, I don't like yeah. kids. So I obviously I, don't watch it. <laughs> but kids, but people who don't like kids usually love kids shows. <laughs> I uh, yeah, no, I watch kids shows. <laughs> 
And then Miss Jazz is making a run now because she's going to a panel. Another panel, exactly. Uh, Another panel. Bye, kids. Bye, Bye, Jazz. Ms. Marvel won for family programming, um, which is an interesting category. One that, like, I I guess the kids and family Emmys now sort of does. but that's a, an interesting mix. Uh, and then new program, The Bear, one over and or Interview with a Vampire, Jury Duty, Mrs. Davis, Poker Face, Shrinking, and The Last of Us. Uh, and then Individual Achievement in Drama, which is everyone, everyone <laughs> in drama. So shout out to TCA for giving Ray Seahorn that because that's, yeah. that's a tough category. That, that is, was Coolidge nominated there? Uh, Coolidge was not. It was Christine Baranski uh, from The Good Fight, Kieran Culkin, Dominique Fishback from Swarm, Betty Gilpin from Mrs. Davis, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey from The Last of Us, and then Sarah Snook and Jeremy Strong from Succession. See, even Succession splits votes there. Yeah, yeah. And then that's where you have Kieran versus Sarah versus Jeremy. So that's, that's a tough one. So yeah, give it to Ray. And then individual achievement in comedy, Natasha Leone wins for Poker Face, which is wild. But again, you've just got a lot of people splitting their votes, including Io Edabiri and Jeremy Allen White splitting the Bear vote, uh, Quinta Brunson and Janelle James splitting the Abbott Elementary vote, and then you've got Harrison Ford there for Shrinking, Bill Hader for Barry, and James Marsden for Jury Duty. So, uh, an interesting category. But. You know what's funny? As 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 confident as I felt a month and a half ago that Quinta was going to run away with lead actress comedy, I no longer feel that way. I'm not saying that I I'm saying she's going to lose. I'm just saying, like, I can definitely see anyone else. Like, there, I can see a few people winning. Like, when, Jenna Ortega, I know, like, I, I also didn't think she chose the right episode, so that aside. But it's interesting, as Netflix has been such a dominant force the last decade, they've never, they have yet to win a comedy series Emmy. Mm-hmm. And Wednesday is really, like, their kind of mass populist, like, I, push. I... You know, the problem is I, th- I she didn't do herself any favors when she yeah. kept sticking her foot in her mouth. So I think yeah. that hurts. Uh, honestly, I think that's the category that Abbott has the best chance of winning right now is Quinta, uh, an actress. Oh, for sure. And I think also her getting snubbed in writing actually maybe helped her more in acting. Because yeah. now it's like, oh, we don't we can we can only give it to her here. So let's do this here. Yeah, because I, I think, you know, comedy obviously is tough right now. And then even supporting actress you know io is you know oh she, no supporting she's... actress comedy is any pick any of those seven women and i i call you right like it really yeah. it could be anybody that 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 race is going to be super super interesting this year yeah i mean supporting actor is interesting too because you know tyler obviously is is a, you know, a possibility a good front runner but Evan Moss Backrack off of season two of the bear, even though people should be voting for season one, they're just going to be thinking about season two of the bear and how exactly he stole that season. It's yeah. so hard to ignore that. I feel like it's just, they're going to be like, Oh yes, we loved him. Check it off. Yeah. Yeah. But then that's the category that James Marsden is in that Clayton is predicting, and- you know, but again, that the category is also open to a surprise or two. So Supporting mm-hmm. categories are always where uh, the shockers happen. And then, you know, again, we love Brett Goldstein. You know, it's... Uh, but also, Noho Hank, Anthony Kerrigan, we love. Uh, you know, Phil Dunster. I mean, it was his season on, on Ted Lasso. And then... Phil is he, my upset pick. That's why I think, if it's not Mars, then I think it's Dunster. And then He I, has the best episode submission, yeah. I think, almost of anyone. And then, I don't think he'll win, but, I mean, American Treasure Henry Winkler is still there. So 
it's that's, no one's ever going to be mad if Henry Winkler wins again. That's one of those categories. It's like I love them all. Can we give them all a trophy? Yeah. Is there a way? Exactly. But, so, all right. Well, we should leave it on that note um, and uh, get to this week's guest. But thanks, gang. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hope for progress in the strikes. And we'll see you again next week. Emily, write an EE issue on solving the strike. Done. Perfect. I, I have all the answers. Great. Bye, kids. Bye. (laughs) After the break, Emmy-nominated Welcome to Chippendale star Kumail Nanjiani. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast, and I'm Michael Schneider. Although Kumail Nanjiani is best known for his comedic work on the HBO series Silicon Valley and films like The Big Sick and The Eternals, his performance in Welcome to Chippendales marks a radical departure in many ways. For one, Nanjiani is playing a real person, Soman Steve Banerjee, the Indian immigrant who founded Chippendales, the first club to feature all-male strippers. Initially, Banerjee was living out the American dream, a wild success story credited to hard work and ingenuity. But as time went on, Banerjee became increasingly paranoid about the competition, both outside, he attempted to burn down at least three other clubs, and inside, his jealousy of business associate Nick Danoia led to Banerjee hiring a hitman to kill him. Nanjiani was just nominated for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Limited or Anthology Series or Movie for his searing dramatic performance in the Hulu Limited series. He delivers a performance akin to Shakespearean tragedy as he charts the digression of the furious and self-sabotaging Banerjee. I have some very exciting news. You know that printing press that makes our calendars? Yes. I bought it! (laughs) You bought it? (laughs) They weren't making the calendars fast enough because they have other customers, and so I addressed the problem. Was it for sale, Steve? No. Then how did you buy it? You know that film, The Godfather? Mm -hmm. In it, there's a character, he's one of the gangsters. He says, I made him an offer he can't refuse. I did that. That's what I did. Steve, how much did you spend? It doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. The club's finances are my department, and you made a massive purchase without even consulting me. I have big plans for the calendars. I want to go national starting next year. And with our own printing press, we'll be able to print as many calendars as we want in business that's known as controlling the means of production. Steve, I didn't run the numbers. I ran the numbers. It works. It's really good. I'm a king. You're my queen. This isn't the first time the actor has ventured into dramatic territory. He was previously nominated for an Emmy in 2019 for his guest turn on Jordan Peele's The Twilight Zone reboot, portraying an untalented comedian who finds success at a great personal cost. Friday's Janelle Riley spoke to Nanjiani the day of the Emmy nominations, which happened to be the day before SAG-AFTRA went on strike. They start off by talking about how he's been so busy recently with all his different projects dominating TV. Oh, my God. I wouldn't say dominating TV, but thank you. That's very kind. I just, 
you know, I just love the boys so much. And that was just a little thing. You know, Evan just asked me and I said, sure, I'll do anything for the boys. That's one of my favorite shows on TV. And Murderville was like right after I'd done Obi-Wan and I I was sort of like craving doing comedy again. I hadn't I hadn't done comedy in a bit. And I was like, I just I just want to do like something where I just want to be funny and then this Murderville came along and I was like, it sounds perfect. I don't need to learn any lines. I just show up and we do a whole episode in two days. Sounds great. And it was, that was so much fun. Is it weird to hear yourself say that you hadn't done comedy a while and you've been doing all this drama because people do associate you so much with comedy. It's strange to think that, I don't know if you were like purposely going down a dramatic path or these roles just started coming to you. It sort of happened a little bit naturally. And then um, I would say the first part that I did that really had no comedy to it. I mean, obviously, The Big Sick had some dramatic elements to it, but I still see that movie as a comedy. But it was um, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone. I played a comedian in it, but the comedian I play is not funny. He's actually really dark. It's a very dark character. And that was the first time that I did something that I think had zero comedy to it. Um, and I really, really liked doing that. And then after that, I sort of was like, oh, this is something I want to explore. I want to try and do more of the um, dramatic stuff a little bit because it's sort of um, it's it's exciting to me in a different kind of way than comedy is. And I feel I find myself to be a little more um, intrigued by it. Uh, I was going to say baffled, but I don't want to say baffled. So please don't say baffled. I was a little <laughs> more just like, I was like, oh, this process feels a little bit different. The internal gauge I have for it feels a little bit different. And so, yeah, I kind of was like, I want to try and do stuff that's a little more dramatic to see how it feels. Um, but I still, you know, I want to go. I, I, if I'm if I'm fortunate, ideally. I want to go back and forth. I want to do I want to do comedy. I just did Ghostbusters, which is definitely a comedy. So um, I, I, I want to do both if I can. Yeah. Now, you mentioned The Twilight Zone, for which you received your first Emmy nomination. Uh, I can't remember if we've had this conversation before, but I really thought, if, I mean, I guess spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen it, but you've had like a year and a half. Um, I really thought your character was going to make Tracy Morgan disappear. Oh, yeah, that would have been fun. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah. like it when things subvert my expectations. So I was like, oh, I see where this is going. And then I was like, oh, no, it was him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really, um, I, I like that episode because it was sort of a little bit about how comedy and, you know, had how it sort of commodifies personal experience and personal emotions a little bit. And it feels like, for a little while there, there was this trend that sort of bearing your soul on stage had really become what comedy was. And I liked the the script was so good. It, it, to me, it was about, are you losing something of yourself if you're mm -hmm. really so naked on stage? Um, I thought that that was really interesting. You know, people sort of commodify their personal lives for social media success or or other kinds of success. Um, that was, so that was really fun. And it was just really thrilling because people who don't know there's the, my character kind of has a superpower where if he talks about someone on stage, they, they disappear. So being on stage 
and having that feeling of like, oh, I can make this person disappear, like in the scenes, really feeling like that. It really felt thrilling. It was really, really exciting to do that. I felt like, you know, I see why power corrupts because I was pretending to have power Mm -hmm. and it was corrupting me. And this may be a weird question, but like as a good stand-up comedian, is it hard to play one who isn't so great? <laughs> oh, thank you. You're 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 flattering me. Um, you know, it was a little bit weird to be on stage being a different kind of comedian than I than I am. I felt that part of it felt the least natural to me. Cause if I'm on stage with the mic in front of me, I know exactly what I'm how I would do it, you know, because it does come so naturally to me now. So, so, but, but, but adjusting that and doing something else with it actually to me was the most difficult part of, of doing that, you know, and it does, even if you're pretending to be on stage and bombing, it feels a lot like really being on stage and bombing. And Mm. there's a lot of like, um, uh, like body, like, uh, reactions that, 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 uh, flashback reactions that I was having. Like, I know, you know, you, you, I know that feeling of not doing well on stage and suddenly you start feeling a little bit of sweat right at the you know edge of your hairline. And then you feel the sweat slowly coming down to your eyebrows. Like, and then your heart starts going and then suddenly your, 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 your breathing gets really fast. I know that feeling so well. And so being on stage and, and, that feeling sort of came back that w- once I was like trying to be trying to do a kind of stand-up performance that I'm not comfortable with that feeling of bombing really came up naturally. It was interesting. What's, what's the worst you've ever bombed on stage and how did you get through it? I would say the worst I, <laughs> I was doing Bonnaroo. So this would have been 2009 or so. I just moved to New York from Chicago. Um, and I suddenly, you know, I'd, I'd had like six or seven years, of six years of stand-up experience by that point. So I was doing pretty well in New York. You know, I was one of the new guys that people didn't know who, who was doing well on stage. And I started getting these opportunities. And then I got booked to go to the Bonnaroo Comedy Festival, Um which is huge, big deal, right? And then I was on a show with Triumphs, the Insult Comic Dog, Amy <laughs> Schumer, and Todd Barry. And wow. I was like, wow. And I was friends with Amy, and I, you know, I've known Todd Barry a long time too. But to work with, you know, Triumph, um, I was just so, so, so excited. And uh, I did my first show, and um, it, 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 well, the problem with, with, the problem with all music festival comedy is people aren't necessarily there for comedy. Mm-hmm. And Bonnaroo was really, really hot. And the only tent they had was the comedy tent. So people would come in. There's, there's music bleeding from other shows. You know, that's fine. But people would come in after having done mushrooms and drank for three days just to rest because it was air conditioned. So so people were there who didn't who just wanted to rest, didn't didn't really, you know, didn't really care about comedy and I wasn't really doing well. And I think when you're doing a festival like that, you just kind of have to accept how you're doing, do your set and leave. But I sort of started panicking and um, I don't know why, but I I started panicking and it wasn't going well at all. This was my first show. 
And then they started booing me. Oh, I've never no. Been booed. Yeah, they started booing me. Up to that point, this is probably the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of. You know, Robert Smigel is there. He's so nice and such a such a hero to me. I was so excited to meet him. He's so kind, so nice. He put me up first, so Triumph did a set, then me. And people started booing. And then I got really angry, and I kind of started yelling at them. And then I kind of won them back. And then they started what? laughing. And I said, no, have the courage of your convictions. Boo me. And then I made them boo me, even though I'd won them over. I made them boo me. And it was very confusing for everyone, especially <laughs> the other comedians. I remember going off stage and Nick Thune coming up to me and being like, what, what were you doing, man? I was like, I don't know. I just I just got really I don't know. So that. That was one of the worst bombs I've ever had. And even now, if I, you know, someone puts up a new video of me on YouTube on a talk show or something, the comments you'll you scroll through and you'll see some comment be like, I saw him like have the worst set I've ever seen at Bonnaroo. And then Robert Smigel came up to me afterwards and was like, um, we're going to put you up at the end of the show. <laughs> I was like, that's fair. That's a good well, decision. They asked you to follow Triumph. That was pretty, that was setting you up for failure, I almost feel. Well, I mean, you could have done it. Amy Schumer did it. She was fine. Todd Barry yeah. did it. And then, you know, the other shows went well. But that first one was a bit was a bit of a mess for oh, me. Wow. Everybody else was good. Uh, it makes me think of there's a scene in Chippendales that that I I don't love because it makes me very anxious. But I think you're so good in where, you know, Steve goes on camera for the first time and, and he thinks that, you know, this is, he's been waiting for his opportunity to sort of like take the focus and have it put on him. And he bombs on camera. He, 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 he doesn't, he realizes he's not charismatic. He, he doesn't have, you know, this, this, this natural talent that he thinks he will. And I feel like sort of like playing a bad standup comic, it's so hard to convincingly portray that when you are somebody comfortable on camera, did, did, did you have to recall on any sort of sense memory for that one? I mean, yeah, again, that thank you so much for, for bringing up that scene. I love doing it. That that scene sort of felt, you know, it was reminiscent to me of broadcast news. There's a great scene where Albert Brooks has been like dying to be a newscaster on TV and then finally gets his gets his shot and just sweats so much he can't get through the mm. show. <laughs> to me, it was like that. And I think for me, it was one, I like doing that because I was like, oh, this is kind of a scene of comedy. I mean, not for Steve, but, you know, for such an intense, heavy show like that, I was like, oh, this scene can just be like really funny. And then for me, it was sort of like because we improvised a lot in that scene. I would oh. just sort of. Yeah. And because I would naturally want to just say something funny. And as I would start speaking, I would just stop speaking mid-sentence, kind of. That's kind of the rhythm I realized was was working, where um, um, I would start to say something funny and then just lose track of myself and stop talking. And also, this is a guy, he thinks stuff is interesting that nobody else thinks is interesting. So I just thought it would be funny to have him, like, really lean into the merchandising aspect of stuff which you know nobody cares about they want to hear about the naked men not about like the mugs that we've made um that was really really fun and i want to say all the you know uh all the other actors in it the um the producer the hair makeup people the interviewer were so so good 
it's such a hard job to come in for one day mm. and to to do really well. You know, they were all so good, so present. Um, they would try different things. I would try different things. It was just one of those like really sort of fun days where it just from the beginning felt like the scene made sense. I've heard that from so many actors that they struggle more with like coming in for a day than when they are like actually a regular on a show because, you know, you have time to sort of like create your character and get to know everyone. And when you're visiting on the set, you know, it's you're in and out and and you got to nail it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've certainly been, I've certainly done that a whole bunch of times and it is the hardest thing because you're walking in, everybody knows everybody, the cast have a rapport going, you know, all the crew know each other and suddenly you're the new guy coming in and you don't want to like mess this up, you know, this machine that's been running very smoothly. By the time we did that episode, we were probably three and a half, four months into shooting. So I really, you know, hats off to all those other actors. They really, really brought it. Uh, I'm curious because I know that that Welcome to Chippendales came to you once before and you turned it down. And I don't, I don't know how long it was in between um, when it came back, but I'm, I'm a big believer in things happening at the right time for a reason. Um, what sort of changed in that that period of time that made you say yes this time? Yeah, it was about five years apart. It first came to me in 2017. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, what changed? I I don't think I could have it then. I just felt, uh, I think I felt more comfortable with myself to be able to go to sort of darker places. You know, right after the big, the big was the first time and anything that had any sort of dramatic aspect to it. It really felt like my head was spinning right after that. Um, I don't think I could have done a part like Steve Banerjee back then. Um, and then five years later, you know, when it came back around, I was like, I'll say right after my, my it, it was the first time suddenly I had opportunities in, um, in this business. I mean, I'd been on Silicon Valley for, for many years, but still, you know, you're auditioning for a lot of stuff. You're not getting stuff. Um, you're getting sort of one scene parts and things, you know, I had like a couple of years where every, I had like one scene in like, you know, six or seven big budget comedies, uh, which was very, very fun. Um, but I kind of wasn't, it wasn't a priority for me to be challenged or to stretch myself. Honestly, I was just like, I've been like, you know, fighting for this for a long time. And now I want to like, just do stuff that feel that to me feels within my reach, within my wheelhouse, stuff that I can do, that I can show people I can, I'm, I'm funny, you know? And then now I think my priorities for what I want out of a job have changed. Like I really, really want to take a job that's like 10% outside my grasp. You know, I want to take a job there where I'm like, I don't quite exactly know how I'm going to tackle this, but I know it's, and I know it's going to be challenging, but I'm going to, I also know I'm going to learn a lot about this, this craft, but also about myself. Um, so, so I think, I think that's what really changed is I, what I want out of work is very different from what I wanted out of work back then. I, I've also heard that maybe you didn't want to play someone sort of villainous, 
um, originally. And and I find it so interesting because I, I guess I'm wrong, but I, I really don't totally see Steve as a bad guy. I know he's like driven to a place, you know, especially with, with the paranoia and, you know, but I also, I find him surprisingly sympathetic. I don't know if that was your take as well. Sort of. I mean, you know, because he is a product of the of his surroundings, like he didn't show up evil. I don't think, you know, to me, I found I had to justify everything that he does. So obviously he does some very, very bad, unforgivable things. But I always wanted to know why he's doing them, why I'm doing them. Um, So, yeah, there is. a. I don't I don't know sympathy, but there's certainly a tragedy to him. He sort of keeps getting in his own way. I think there were a bunch of for me, the 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 job of arcing out the whole series was finding all the different uh, forks in the road um, where he had a choice and he could go the right way or the wrong way. And he chose the wrong way every single time. And there were, you know, sort of 10 or 12 of these inflection, big decision points. Um, and so then I sort of understood he's not a guy who really, I never saw him as like a guy who's, well, it's just a guy who's tragic because uh, if he was able to like sit at himself and really sort of look at himself and, you know, see his situation, which is he's achieved a lot of success. He's got a wonderful wife. He's built a massive business out of nothing, out of just work. There's a lot to be proud of, but really, you know, it was never enough for him. That was his downfall. So to me, I really feel tragedy. And, and you know, it was interesting when I was doing it, I found ways to justify all of it. And it wasn't until I watched the show later that I was like, oh, I found it to be a very frustrating experience watching myself as this character continually doing the wrong things. Oh, it's Harper. I mean, his wife basically says this is what's going to happen if you don't stop. And everything like everything she says happens, basically. Yeah. And he just he can't help himself. But I think we all had like a Murray Bartlett Nick in our lives where like things just seem to come so easy to this person. Oh, my <laughs> God. I feel like I've had a Murray Bartlett Nick every single day of my life where I'm like, how can you just do that? It takes <laughs> much work to be half as good as you at it. You know, um, I, this is very, very nerdy. But when I was a kid, you know, I wasn't good at sports. I wasn't I wasn't cool. I wasn't popular. But I, you know, I had my studies. So I would study a lot. And where I went to school in Karachi, you'd get like ranked. So you would get a rank. We had like 45 kids in our class. So you get a first, second, third, like everybody in class would get ranked based on um, their grades. And I always came in second. Oh, <laughs> no. Because there's always one kid. I don't want to say his name. I don't know if he, I'm st I still talk to him. He would <laughs> always be first. And then he left. And then I was first one year. And I was like, yeah, I didn't really earn this. And then someone else came in and that kid was first. I was like, man, so, so I completely understand that feeling. It's it's literally why I sympathize with Aaron Burr in Hamilton. <laughs> yep, totally. Exactly. Because Hamilton just shows up and charms everyone and it comes so easy. And, and by the end, uh, yeah, I'm rooting for him. <laughs> yeah, I, it's such a, I think being the person who, can't win no matter how hard they try is a very, very rootable 
relatable thing because you know i think people themselves no matter how successful you are how your thing is i think there are always moments where you feel like a total loser mhm and uh i've mentioned this before but something that i love that this show portrays that i i honestly can't remember the last time i saw or saw it done so well is you know this idea that that minorities can be racist towards other minorities you know like steve oh. you, you know wants to have you know opportunities and feels like he's been held back because of where he's from but then you know he he subjects quentin's character to that as well instead of you know well he does kind of help him but he also is just like you know how it is there's only so far you can go and and i rarely see that portrayed yeah i mean it's obviously a very real thing you know white people aren't the only people <laughs> who can do this stuff um and to me it was interesting because steve has sort of taken on you know he's 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 sort of taken on american society he's changed his first name he doesn't wear traditional clothes he wears suits you know he really wants to be american and to him i think there's a very specific version of america that he wants to be which is white white america mm-hmm. um and so he's copying how he sees the society around him is behaving and he to be that because to him that's what success is his version of success is Hugh Hefner you know he has a very white uh version of success and his version of success doesn't really have room for black people unfortunately um and uh, uh and and that's true for the real guy too you know he was he was racist against black people he wouldn't let black people into his club but i wanted to have a moment where Steve does try and justify his point of view. So I'm glad that we have that where there are a couple times where even with with Quentin and then there's another scene with Anna Lee when she finds out he's excluding black pe- black people from the club where he tries to sort of say it's not my fault, it's society's fault. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't do this. I'm just following the society that you people built, which I think works for me for a character thing too because Steve is someone, you know, it's never his fault. It's always the fault of the people around Right. And and like I said, I, I you're right in saying maybe sympathetic isn't the best word, but but very relatable. Up until really the final episode, Switzerland, this episode is like, this is brutal. Um <laughs> and I know, you know, it's it's at the ending, it's five years have passed, I think, since since Nick was murdered. Um, was that particularly hard for you to shoot? Because I feel like you know, the whole show is dramatic, but you do have these moments of lightness. But this, this entire episode is brutal. And your body doesn't always know, you know, when you're putting it through these emotions that it's just acting. No, it didn't. No, um, I was really excited to do that because there's this, you know, the centerpiece of that episode is this 15 page scene with me and Robin de Jesus, who's absolutely amazing in the show, too. Absolutely amazing. Um and we just kind of shot one scene in a hotel room over three days. And it's there's a lot of like, you know, peaks and valleys and movements and emotions in the scene. Um, and that was really, really fun to do. And it was interesting because, you know, by that point, I was really exhausted. We'd shot the show for about six months and I was in almost every day. So it kind of worked out to shoot something like that towards the end of the series because the character of Steve is very tired and I was very tired and he's sort of talking about you know all this it's sort of like he's sad because of all the stuff he's lost and I actually felt really sad that I wouldn't be able to work with these people again at least not for a long time so when I'm talking about missing the club and stuff 
all those emotions, you know, I didn't have to do any prep. It all sort of happened naturally because I was going to miss, I'm getting emotional talking about it now, miss Murray and Anna Lee and Robin and Juliet and, and Quentin and Andrew and, and, you know, Rob and Jenny and Nora and everybody involved in the show. It was such a, this wonderful all encompassing experience. So, so shooting that last episode, the exhaustion I used my real exhaustion and the emotions I used my real emotions and having to say goodbye for this to this absolutely wonderful group of people. Oh, you just you see him unraveling in real time and it's oh, it's so hard to watch in the best way. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm curious because uh, have you I don't know if you've played a real person before. I mean, kind of played a version of yourself in the big sick, but I I think actors know that that there's no real quote unquote playing yourself and it's definitely not as easy as it looks, but did it change your approach having, you know, things to draw on or a person to sort of, um, you know, I want to say base character on, I'm, I'm saying character, but maybe you just thought of him as Steve. It, it was good because there was a lot more material to research on him. You know, I didn't try and recreate the real guy because so one of the weird things about him was that nobody really knew who he was anyway. I, you know, everybody sort of had a different opinion of this guy. And I could sort of look at, you know, little videos of him that people had here and there. I talked to people who knew him. Um, and so it, it, there's a lot more research material. You know, there's there's so many there's so much written about this guy. But ultimately, my job wasn't to try and create the real guy. My job was to play a char- this character as written by Rob and the other writers. Um, so, you know, I'm not playing Elvis where everybody knows exactly what Elvis is. So so I didn't have that pressure. And I really did approach him, you know, as trying to play this fictional version of, of Steve Banerjee. But a lot of times when you're even playing, you know, characters who are completely fictional, you have to make up a lot of stuff about their backstory and likes and dislikes and habits and all that stuff. And a lot of that stuff has to be uh, creation. A lot of that stuff is not in the script. In this case, all that stuff was available. And so I didn't really have to make that up. So that part, that part was fun. But it's also a little overwhelming. You know, I mean, there's so much stuff about him out there that it can really spin you around. So at some point I had to be like, okay, I think I have enough to make this guy the way I see him, the way I want him to be. Um, Anything beyond this is just going to start muddying the waters. And after everything you just said, my big takeaway from there is, is you mentioned yourself playing Elvis and I want to see that. (laughs) Uh, There was a really big Elvis movie very recently. So I think (laughs) we're going to wait a while. That's Kumail Nanjiani, star of Welcome to Chippendales, now streaming on Hulu. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races as well as your daily fix of news analysis and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Emily Longaretta, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.
step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.